everybody hello everybody welcome to another exciting episode of the two half squads i'm jeff i'm dave and today we're joined by a special guest all the way from far-flung reaches of outer space <laughs> jim aiken thanks for joining us jim hey thank you um yeah the far-flung reaches of southern california at least so which some people consider out of space. So uh, it's, they that's do. Okay. Now, for, for some <laughs> listeners, I hate to say this, but some listeners may not know exactly where Southern California is. So, um, ah. oh, I do. I do. It's below Northern California. <laughs> that's right. Slight, slightly to the left of Arizona. Yes. So along the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. And how long have you been in Southern California? Um, I've lived here for uh, almost 40 years, actually. I'm originally from Massachusetts, so moved out here for a job. Didn't like the job, but I ended up staying. And you know how it is. You kind of get locked in. So uh, you know, here I am, still here yeah, for a couple more years anyway. So, Did you start gaming in Massachusetts? I'm sorry. Yeah, I did, actually, though I didn't start playing ASL until I moved to California. So um, I did other... I did other uh, war games in high school and that kind of thing. I, I had a war gaming group that we used to meet and I still see those guys. I actually got together with them in June. Wow. So, which is kind wow. of cool, you know? So uh, war game ties kind of go on forever, right? And are so, they still war gaming? Uh, one is one switch to computer games. So mm -hmm. he does mostly uh, airplane simulations and that kind of thing he kind of got hooked into that so uh, but the other the other one one of them there were three of us one of them passed away uh and his younger brother is the guy that still wore games and then uh, our other mutual friend that uh, um 
is into computer games now. So, but yeah, and then I started ASL when it came out in 85, bought the, you know, bought the rule book and uh, hooked up with, uh, that was right about the time I moved to California, right? Very, very shortly after I moved to California. So um, I was looking for some opponents or somebody to learn the game with and um, went down to the local game store and there was a sign there uh, somebody was trying to organize an ASL club or, or a meeting. And it was uh, Eric Johnson, who's kind of well known on the West Coast anyways. And uh, so I contacted him and our first meeting was me, Eric Johnson, uh, Don Petros, the uh, uh, famous map artist and good friend of mine, mm -hmm. and another fellow named Jim Arn. And uh, uh, we kind of lost track of Jim at some point in time, but uh, Don's still a really good friend of mine, and I still see Eric. So, and uh, that was kind of the start of our our uh, ASL experience. So a little later on, a few years later, we hooked up with the guys from, uh, this was in, we were in San Diego, and, and we hooked up with the guys in LA who kind of had their own club going. And uh, at that point, uh, Kent Smoke, who was from Chicago, had moved to California, and uh, he was the one that kind of consolidated all the various groups in Southern California into the Southern California ASL club. So that would have been in the late nineties, I guess. So, and eventually I ended up uh, getting the, the lucky winner of becoming president. So. Wow. <laughs> so what an honor. around 2000, 99, 2000, something like that. We, we rarely get the president of any club to talk on our show. So, so we are very, usually we get the vice presidents or yeah. the secretaries. Oh. They send us the secretaries to talk to us. Like, Oh, can you go call oh, these I could guys? have done that. I, I, you know, I didn't know that <laughs> we have a whole board of directors, so I could have had anybody show up for you if you wanted. Wow. <laughs> and so I think you, was this appointment for life? Yeah, yeah, I was, as I was saying before, at some point in time, I, I, I've been president, I don't know, like 22 years. So I think around 10 years or so ago, the guys all got together because we, I insist that we run elections every year at West Coast Neely. That's our big event. Um, and we, like I said, we do have a board of directors. We have uh, three district reps because we have a pretty widespread area. Southern California is an immense area. So uh, each county gets its own rep that those guys vote for. Um, and then the, then they also vote at large for the president. And then the president gets to pick four directors, uh, to serve at his will and pleasure. So that's how, that's how we structure the club. So, but I insist every year that, uh, we hold elections, even though the same guys tend to run and serve until they just beg us not to ask them anymore. Um, which doesn't happen too often. Um, but I insist that, you know, I run, you know, everybody has to run every year. And about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that, they all colluded at one of the West Coast Maylees to make me president for life so they wouldn't have to vote me in every year. And I was not particularly happy with that idea, but they did it anyway. So, so now they refer to me as president for life. But I still run for re-election every year as president for life. So <laughs> like any good president of a banana republic. So. Yes, right. Well, it seems like a lot of government for a club like that. I mean, uh, how many? Well, yeah, we've got 75 guys. So oh, okay. we need a pretty kind of structured organization. 
you know, in practical terms, because we've been doing this for so, so long, um, it becomes something of a benevolent dictatorship. You know, I kind of know what everybody wants to do. Um, and we, I kind of operate on that assumption. Um, but most of the stuff, it's mostly, we operate by consensus, frankly. I, I, the, the board is there for me to talk to when I need, you know, I need some moral support or some kind of, you know, something's come up and we kind of need to hack out an idea or a plan or, or uh, uh, some kind of formal approval when we're spending money and things like that. So um, otherwise on a day-to-day -day basis, everybody seems to be fine with me just telling them what to do. So, so that's kind of, as I said, benevolent dictatorship at that point. So and there haven't been any uh, coups like one region wants to break away or yeah no no we're uh we're a pretty happy group to tell you the truth they're all just delighted to, to have a club to be honest with you so uh, um yeah we don't we don't get a whole lot of pushback so it, it's kind of nice guys rotate in and out from the board also over the years different different guys have stepped down or become less involved and other guys have uh stepped up so you know so we get a i think we get a nice cross-section of the club membership at any given time too so they tend to be the really active members that uh, um, you know are participating in the decisions plus i'm i'm kind of a consensus guy anyways we meet a lot we meet every single week so someplace and um, we do a lot of dinners and lunches so a lot of times i will if something comes up often you know i have a new idea or somebody has a new idea and they brought it to us um, I'll throw it out to whatever guys are there for lunch, you know, whatever members are just happen to be there. And well, what do you guys think of this? And, and try to get as much feedback as I can. I try to listen to, to what the guys have to, you know, what the guys want, you know, I mean, it's yeah. the members club. It's not my club. It's members club. So got to hear everybody's, I want to hear what everybody has to say. Yeah, for sure. And you said that, uh, so you meet at different locations. Uh, we do. Um, if we have what we call our game days every Saturday, and we meet at designated, they're kind of pre-designated pre spots. So every, uh, like the first Saturday, we meet at a game store in Upland. Second Saturday, we meet at a game store in Bellflower, third, you know, et cetera. Um, once in a while, we have a fifth Saturday, and then that's kind of wild card. It's wherever I can find a place that will host us to be honest with you the other ones are standard relationships that we have month after month after month so everybody knows if it's the first saturday we're going to be in upland and show up at noon we try to keep everything very constant and very easy to follow along because you know um it just makes everything simple for everybody so uh and how many we have but we do have relationships with the individual game stores so yeah i'll bet i'll bet they love it nice I'm sorry. I bet they love having you. Well, yeah, they do. And sometimes we're wondering why, because you can't put money in their pockets. You're not buying a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, um, like one of the game store owners who we know really well, he actually owns two of the locations that we uh, that we meet at. And like he says, I'm not going to put my kid through college with the candy bars and water that you guys buy every week, you know, because, yeah. you know, we're, you know, once we try to support them, honestly, our, our guys are pretty good if they, you know, because most ASL guys do play other games, you know, so they will buy other games if they're there and whatnot. I do the same thing. Um, but for the most part, most of our gaming money is spent on ASL products, which, you know, is going to come straight from MMP or we also, uh, um, have an on, uh, 
we have a uh, our own game store where we can collectively order stuff also. So uh, mm. one of one of our members, Matt Cicero, uh, manages that for us. So if you remember, you can order stuff through him, and we can get the uh, the dealer price on it. So which is kind of nice. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Still, though, a game store would like to have uh, the the store look full and busy and. Uh, that that's exactly right we're props basically props. So, yeah i was just uh, thinking when you're not there they have mannequins yeah right <laughs> exactly well i've you know because i've asked them i said why do you why do you let us play here you know i mean the five the five we give them five bucks usually per head at most of the stores for the week oh, okay. or for the day you know yeah um but that isn't even covering the air conditioning come on you know yeah, really right. And that's exactly what one of them had said. He said, well, you know, you guys fill up all the chairs or you're, you know, you're in the store, you're always having fun, you're joking around, you're really polite to the other, you know, the other patrons that are here and you always look like you're always having a great time. He said, and those are the kind of people I want in my store. When somebody walks into the store, I want it full of people that are joking and laughing and picking on each other and having a good time. So, yeah, 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 we make pretty good props, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is invaluable, and I, I have seen other groups where there's some kind of conflict going on. I won't drop names, but everyone will probably know what store I'm thinking of around here. But occasionally, I go in the back game room, and there's you know some guy going, "Well, what do you mean that's the rule?" I have blah, blah, you know, and I'm kind of like, "Oh, you know," or you hear stories of like, oh, we were role playing, and this guy was like, "Oh, blah." But yeah, ASLers, even at all the tournaments, I've rarely encountered. I think I've, I have two stories from, I don't know, I haven't gone to a lot of tournaments, but at least four that I've played in. And every other story besides those two is just a joy, you know, great guys and good times. Well, and I, I think ASL kind of is a, it's a game system where we've already had all our rules discussions or rules <laughs> disagreements you know and we know that there's a rule in there someplace just we haven't found it yet right so yeah or um, i just assume the other guy's gonna know more so i just like yeah well you know in that and that's valid strategy too right but um also that it's i always call it like cooperative competition because i think when two guys sit down and play they play each other competitively but they also have to cooperate to make sure they play correctly by the rule book so Guys kind of learn, guys that are confrontational. Once in a week, we've had confrontational kind of guys come and go out of the club very occasionally. Uh, But for the most part, most of us, you know, ASL at large, and I go to, you know, I go to Oktoberfest every year. I've been to other tournaments. Uh, West Coast Melee also that we run every year. Um, The guys are pretty cooperative. They they come knowing they're going to have to cooperate. You know, and and if you're going to die on some hill, you know, it better be on the, you know, with cardboard, not, you know, rules argument. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really true. I think everyone I've played with has been, um, let's look that up. You know, you know, you're going to spend a little bit of time in the rule book. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we, I think ASL guys are really good at. um cooperatively figuring out how they want to play something so they can move on you know uh, once in like i said once in a while i i've act i actually had to ask a guy to leave one year but he was a guy that had never come before and 
kind of really hadn't been in the game for a long time and and uh, actually showed showed himself out i didn't have to ask him to leave he left on his own but um he he knew he was it was time for him to go you know but for the most part you know uh, thousands upon thousands of other you know experiences are always positive you know all seriously the guys, though, all Jim, the guys are great yeah, so. you you should have people that do that for you <laughs> well you know the the thing is when this particular this was three or four years ago i think um the confrontation had occurred and the club members stepped up to the plate i mean they were like you know no they shut that right down you know there's there's not we don't want this in our club this is not acceptable behavior yeah and i think the guy that had stepped out of line knew he'd stepped out of line and he decided he had other things to do that morning so yeah he ended up leaving so he left him showed himself the door so but that's there i mean that's one example i mean we've been doing this for 25 years and that's one of the very occasional examples that something like that would happen right so the guys yeah. are usually great so uh how do you typically operate you know every week do you have uh does everybody just shows up and plays what they want, pair off how, however they want, or just do people prepare or have? It depends on the guys. Uh, generally, the, the standard format is show up and play, and everybody plays. So I don't want a guy that, you know, we play every Saturday, we meet at noon. Um, I don't want a guy that convinced his wife that he was going to take the day off and go play sl and then show up and not have an opponent or not be able to play because mm -hmm. he was the odd guy and showed up we don't do any of that if every if you show up and you're reasonably close to on time you're going to play if we have to have two on uh, two on one game that's fine too you know 50 percent of the time statistically we have an odd number of guys so a lot you know the guys at the game days are pretty good at playing two on one playing teams uh, playing cooperatively um, so yeah it's pretty much show up and play some guys come prepared they'll come with scenarios that's great or you can just show up with a you know with a cup with some dice in it and you know I'll pair you up with anybody and you can play whatever you want so yeah very very flexible I have literally no idea who's going to be there I show up I'm there every week generally um, and we have two or three guys that are there almost every week. Um, but I really have no idea who's going to show up until they get there. You know, there's, there's, I found over the years that flexibility is the, uh, the watchword for making things go smoothly. <laughs> you can't, right. I try to avoid as much structure as I can, you know? So, yeah. <clears throat> so do you have extra, extra counters, extra rules? extra maps uh, well extra with the, the club for west coast may lee and we started doing this about three years three or four years ago we started accumulating game sets for west coast may lee because we found a um you know guys that would show up some of the guys that show up only play vassal unless they come to west coast may lee so their game set is either stashed away in the closet or in some cases not even punched um so what we found was um by having some loner sets that those guys could, um, you know, participate without having to scramble around borrowing, you know, counters from this guy and boards from that guy and that kind of thing. Though everybody's really good about sharing their stuff. That's, that's not really an issue, but uh, it makes things go a lot faster. For the game days, we have most of the regular guys bring their sets or a travel set or a portion of their set. 
So we always seem to have enough counters. You know, we have two or three guys that have really good travel sets uh, that are almost always there. So, and like I said, everybody's good about sharing their stuff. So that's, that's never an issue, you know? Yeah. I was the guy that played the two on one when I ran a passel club at my house, mm-hmm. which <clears throat> talked about a lot on the show ultimately had lots of people come through um but mm-hmm. on any kind of game night i think 12 was the most and we barely fit them down here um but yeah when i had to play the two two games at once i kind of liked it <laughs> you know because you have to give up trying to win okay i'm not going to worry about that we're here to make sure both these guys get to play tonight and then right. I like to kind of go back and forth. And of course the opponents have to be patient enough to, okay, when Dave's finished moving there, I'll get to move over on this side on him. And I just okay. want to try to keep them where I'm on the defense. So there's less to think about, right. <laughs> kind sure. of fall yeah, back, yeah. whatever. But yeah, I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah. What our, what our guys are apt to do is they'll play two on one where they'll have two, two attackers and one defender. They'll play, the three guys will play the same scenario. Oh, yeah, I was doing two guys. Boards. So they'll they'll pick a scenario where there are yeah. two attacking forces, those kind of things. So we yeah. do a lot of a lot of that kind of thing. Um, and frankly, it makes the game go a bit slower. Usually, the more guys you have, the slower the game goes. So um, that's just the AS, the ASL math or ASL reality, I guess. The more guys you have participating, the slower it, it goes. Um, but they're pretty adept at you know, teamwork, you know, working together and, and uh, figuring, catching a plan and, and uh, everybody's happy, you know, everybody gets to play. So the, the, the important part is everybody gets to play. If you show up, you play, period, no exceptions. You know, I don't, I'm not going to turn somebody away. I would, that, in my mind, that would be a fail. You know, if somebody yeah. showed up for a game day and then didn't get a chance to play, drove all the way, wherever the heck it is, and shows up and you know he told his wife he was going to be gone all day and then he shows up and there's nobody to play that's a fail for us yeah and sometimes too i would catch i would like just go ahead and sit out you know i could do some other stuff it's my basement i got stuff here right and then i would try to catch them on the way out too and take them upstairs on the couch and and have them uh both excuse me (laughs) i was thinking too like well where's laurel when we were doing this (laughs) hey you guys finished your game you never take it's, me up on the couch <laughs> it's like 10 o'clock or 9 30 you're the first ones you want to come up and talk and we'll and we'll talk about the games and then we put it on the podcast okay these two guys played this and so it was really a great way to yeah, great. Uh, you know do something else and uh you know it was great to have them of course talk about their games too on the way out and any recommendations? What strategy did you use? You know, kind of thing. Sure. What about uh, starter kit? Do you have starter kit? Starter kit players, or can you handle? Yeah, it? we have uh, two guys. Because um, getting getting new players up to speed is a real project for us. It's something that we really kind of commit to doing, to making yeah. sure that we always, you know, we always have starter kit stuff around. Uh, we have actually have one of our one of the board of direct members of the board of directors Blair Bellamy um his job is new player development that's his that's his project um and he's more than happy to sit down and walk through a start he loves starter kid he'll sit there and walk through Dave Nicholas is our other starter kit guy he runs our what we call the seven leader program at West Coast May Lee every year um where you can just show up and 
And uh, if you've never played a game before, sit down and he'll walk you through the rules, whatever you need to do from start to finish. You want to you want to play starter kit one. Great. If you used to play ASL, but you haven't played in 10 years and you want somebody to help you with the rules to get you up to speed. Same answer. You know, uh, why don't you play Dave? Dave sets himself aside to do that. That's his, you know, that's his commitment. So uh, so we really do try. Yeah, we do. We don't get a lot of starter kit other than Blair loves starter kit and he'll play that anytime. But um, if he's at a game day, um, but you know, uh, some, sometimes we get starter kit and that's fine. Everybody's, everybody's fine with starter kit too, you know, especially for new, try to accommodate new players or new guys coming in, you know. Yeah. I always get a kick out of uh, going to tournaments at a hotel or something and just some, non-tournament players just other guests in the hotel will be walking by and they'll they'll poke their head in and like what are you what are you guys doing in here well we're playing try to explain to them what the game is and they're like okay bye yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, what to. i don't get it what what are you doing but i wonder uh do you ever get guys that just come into the i, I suppose everybody that comes into the game store knows what asl is but do you pick up um, from that most of them well, most of them do. I mean, most game stores these days are filled with card players anyways. They're yeah. not really board gamers. They play some Euro games, maybe. Uh, so they're either card players or role players, right? And those guys are great. Don't get me wrong. We we love them. We, you know, we enjoy, they're, they're always really polite. and all, Everybody's really friendly at the game stores. So that's, you know, it's part of the environment of playing in a game store. You know, you got to cooperate with the people that are there right the other patrons yeah. and those patrons are the ones that are earning the keeping the store open yeah, they're the ones yeah. buying cards right? the collectible so, card <laughs> yeah exactly that's where you know, that's where the game stores are making their money they're not making it selling us soda you know soda and candy bars you know that's not going to keep their doors open. yeah because when we mentioned that earlier about keeping them in business i was thinking about all my miniature stuff you know like and jeff sure. can tell you the basement's why refer to it all the time and on our twitter i got pictures of all this stuff but uh it's, it's, i was going there a lot always getting the new miniature 15 millimeter armies i built sure. like a dozen of them you know <laughs> like, okay yeah, completed absolutely. my late romans now i want to paint up some uh syrians you know and just sure. and then yeah asl was like a big purchase once and then you got to wait a year <laughs> yeah exactly back in those and days. you know i mean mmp doesn't you know the game stores can't really get the product through their wholesalers effectively so um and that's how the game stores operate they get their product through their wholesalers right or through their distributors i mean not wholesalers distributors right yeah yeah so okay. they're they, most of the major distributors don't cover it so they're kind of out of luck you know and they understand that and but again like you know we try to be we try to be happy props and uh, the relationship has been going on for, you know, almost yeah, 20 years at least that we've been doing this. So, uh, you know, apparently it's working out for both parties, you know, pretty well. So they, they seem happy with us. We're sure happy with them. So and we try to promote them too, you know, where we can. There's not a lot of opportunities to do that. But, uh, but we try to make sure, you know, everybody knows who who's taking care of us, too. Right. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So then the, the melee is the tournament. That's correct. Yeah, right. we um, we do uh, the West Coast Melee every year. We just did number 25 this year um, back in. It's usually at the end of February or the very beginning of March. 
and um, we have it's uh, we do it usually uh, we start on Thursday, finish on Sunday. And uh, what we do is we do mostly mini. Uh, our first day is open play. Everybody just comes and sit down and play. No, no, no records get kept. You're just warming up. And then starting on Friday, um, you can play in mini tournaments and you start keeping, keeping track of your uh, games, won and lost. And by Friday night, the guys with the, the eight guys with the best win-loss records go into the melee, a single of a single elimination melee on Saturday and they play for plaques. Everybody else plays more minis or plays open. You know, we have a lot of guys that just come and play and, you know, and they're happy with that too. So we give away last year, we did uh, this past melee. I think we gave away eight, eight mini tournament plaques and then our four finalists. So we give, we give, try to give away a lot of plaques. We give away a lot of prizes too. So. And what kind of numbers do you get at the, um, this past, uh, West coast 25, we had 65 guys, um, 50 is a lot closer to typical, but of course, over the last few years, it's been kind of hard to, you know, with the, the pandemic and everything, you know, we, we skipped 2021, we, we got in just under the wire in 2020, uh, had to postpone or cancel 2021. And then 2022 things were still a little shaky. I mean, we've, Really, we're still having trouble even finding a place to host us at that point. Yeah. And, uh, then 2023, everybody came back with a vengeance. And like I said, we had our best turnout in years at 65. So I'm, yeah. I'm going with that as our new trend. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, where do they come from? Do you get any people coming from? farther west mostly southern california it's mostly oh, okay. a, it's mostly local um uh -huh. we get some guys up in the bay area that come down we have two or three guys that are regulars uh, four or five guys maybe that are regulars that come from northern california um and then we have a few fly-ins every year guys that come some guys that come fairly you know every few years or every couple of years at least um mostly local guys it's mostly guys that drove there you know the, the local guys so but because we have such a wide area i mean it's southern california is what 20 million people you know um there, we have a lot of people to draw from hence hence the 75 members you know it, it's, right. it's a game of those right yeah so. and then location right it's maybe the asl open used to be able to draw from different states now it's all online dave Gold yeah right yeah i know they yeah dave yeah. put it all on yeah, so, yeah but i think like aslock isn't the part of the beauty that people can converge toward the center <laughs> so absolutely and that's something that's kind of tough for for the melee in that we're kind of way down in the southwestern corner of the united states you know you can drive eight hours north or east and you're still in california yeah so right. you haven't even left the state yet you know so well not east but north yeah. certainly not even halfway through yeah um but you know i mean you're looking at an eight-hour drive to get to phoenix you know, from LA. So, you know, the distances are immense. There's just people that aren't going to say, oh, let's take two days off and go play in a minute, you know, play in a ASL tournament. That's yeah. not going to happen. You got to, you got to make a, make a plan to come if you're going to come. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, we're kind of, you know, pretty far out there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so the tournament goes for four days. Right. Okay. And then, um, um i lost my train of thought um <laughs> welcome to the club jeff yeah really i guess i was gonna 
I guess I was going to ask you, I was interested if anybody was coming from the West and then I lost my train of thought. Anybody further from the West, like, because on the map, you know, Hawaii is only... <laughs> right, it's only four inches. Four I think, inches. From, yeah, from Hawaii to uh, California, yeah. Um, we do other things also. We uh, recently did a, we got the, we had a game day on the USS Iowa, which is in San Pedro, which is the- That's what we were supposed Boston. to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, that was great. because, And we've done this periodically over the years um, where we organize field trips for the guys. Um, we're really very strict about sticking to ASL, right? It's, you know, it, or at least World War II history. We really try to keep it very, very tight. All of our interests, all of our, you know, if we go to someplace, it has to have some tie to World War II history. So, uh, we uh, went up to the Littlefield Museum up in uh, the Bay Area three times. We actually organized three different trips to go up there, which actually involves flying up there for the day. And um, that was kind of interesting. One time, I think it, we, we did three trips. The largest of the three, I think we have 20 something guys that actually flew up there for the day. And what what's there? And, I'm not familiar. What's that? What is there? I'm not familiar. What's there? Um, well, it was um, Jacques Littlefield's collection of, I think he had about 300 plus um, armored vehicles on his property. And uh, he had had them collected in big barns. And then Jacques died of cancer. He, he was not a, he was still a relatively young man. Uh, his mom ended up um, giving, selling the collection, I guess. Most of it ended up at the Heritage Museum in Massachusetts, um, where they do the uh, the plane. They have the airplane museum there. I think it's out in Hudson, Massachusetts. I think I've been there uh, since then, uh, and they did a really nice job with his collection. They um, uh, the Littlefield collection had one of the only three operational Panthers in the world. They got the one that got pulled. He bought the one that got pulled out of uh, the river in Poland back in the, I think, 80s. Yeah. Was so there they, was there stuff on YouTube? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's it was in um, tank. One of the tank history museum, uh, history channel yeah. tank restoration things. Yeah. Uh, gorgeous. I mean, and fully operate. He made all he restored all his vehicles to to factory original, you know, I mean, right down to you know, putting a schmizer on the front seat, you know, and that kind of thing for little details, you know, uh, leather straps, you know, he redid all the leather straps for all the, you know, small arm holders. I mean, everything down to the smallest detail. Uh, and then he just stuck them in his barn, you know, and you could come and see him, you know, which is kind of yeah. cool. And he would take them out and drive them around, you know, yes. take them out yeah. around, wow. which they still do at the Heritage Museum also. They take oh, them out. Okay. Yeah. So, because it is, they are operational. So more or less, yeah, we, I, Jeff. Like we have the Volo Museum. They've got a lot of military equipment, and then there's one guy in Wisconsin. You remember, you go by the highway, and there's all that equipment. On oh yeah, we always go. We I've should never, go there. Yeah, right? we never stop there. We never yeah. go. Yeah, but it's similar, right? It's a private collector. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. That was a private, and now now it's a uh, well, it's a nonprofit organization that owns most of the collection now, and and uh, it's gorgeous. It's it's yeah. really worth it if you ever go there. So we I have did, a bunch you know, of I have a that. bunch of a Panzerfaust and atomic bombs that I've collected. <laughs> They're all over in, over in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Well, he actually he had two because when Littlefield was collecting, he actually had his own arms dealer, um, scouring the world, literally oh, looking yeah. for. You know, he bought two Scud missiles, 
because you can't just have one. Apparently, you needed a second one. You know, yeah, with the launchers, good. you know, the portable launchers. I mean, yeah, yeah it's an, it was an amazing collection, and most of it ended up in in uh, in Hudson, which is kind of cool that they kept most of it together. So it was the, good stuff. It was even beyond World War II. Some. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He had. Uh, uh, say t-54s maybe t-64s something like that i mean some you know uh cold war stuff yeah also most of it was world war ii the bulk of it was world war ii and of course when we went up there we were just really pretty much interested in world war ii right yeah. so but he had some phenomenally great pieces so so we we did three of those um and then we had a fella you know the uss iowa is in san pedro which is part of the port of los angeles and one of our members is a docent on, on the Iowa. And uh, so he had come to me and he said, you know, do you think we'd be, would, would it be cool if we did a game day on the Iowa? He said, I think I can make that happen. And I was like, yeah, of course, that would be fantastic. So he organized it with uh, the organization, you know, with the nonprofit that runs it and, you know, through the docents and, um, and we ended up organizing a trip. We had 17 guys, everybody showed up. Um, it took quite a bit of organization on our part to get everybody there, but, um, but we had 17 guys go aboard at eight 30 in the morning. And then we got a private tour and then, uh, we all went up to the, uh, uh, officer's ward room and, uh, played, we played, uh, blood reef Tarawa all day. So we had, I think four, yeah, did, yeah. three or four historic maps and, and played individual scenarios. We were playing three separate scenarios on each one of those maps because we wanted something that would be, have a little bit of eye candy for people that were walking through, you know, like right. Jeff had mentioned, you know, people look at you and they don't know what it is. Well, at least make it something that's interesting. And, and we wanted something that was at least ocean related if we couldn't, mm. you know, I mean, red barricades just didn't seem like that was going to be a yeah. good fit. <laughs> You know, for the USS Iowa. But the cool thing, and this is kind of the cool part of this whole trip, and it was completely unplanned. Um, the Iowa has a docent who shows up. He's um, um, his name is Lloyd Glick, and he's 99 years old, very spry. Uh, World War II. He served on a couple of ships, most notably the USS North Carolina, right? And he always sets up a little display in the wardroom where we were. Well, he was there that day. He came that day that we were playing and he had his little setup on the, over in the corner and he came over and started talking. And he, like I said, very spry, very with it. I mean, for 99, really sharp. Wow. And we got talking to him. Well, the USS North Carolina, well, the USS Iowa was not in any way involved in Tarawa. It was, it was not there, but the USS North Carolina was at Tarawa. So we got to be there with one of the veterans. You know, he watched us play for a while, chatted with the members. And so we had a, you know, a veteran of the battle actually there for the, for the day, which that was just like totally not wow. planned, that completely coincidental yeah. and absolutely cool. I mean, everybody loved him. He was a great guy. Uh, he was really interested in what we were doing and and uh, was following along. He understood what we were doing and that stuff. So it was super, really super nice guy too. So, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's, um, that was a real achievement. We were really, uh, I'm really proud that we were able to do that. You know, that you think was, that's that something real... you'll uh, get to do again? Yeah, they invited us back. Um, we were always a little worried 
you know, gamers in general and ASLers in particular tend to have a hard time watching their language. So <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that. But On this show, we do watch our language. I tried. If you you've noticed, won, I'm going to have to bleep careful. you once so far. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've been told I swear like a sailor with Tourette syndrome. So, <laughs> well, you're doing you real know. well then. But um, and most of the other guys and a lot of the guys in the club do some notoriously so. So we were really, really worried about, you know, going being in a public event and making sure the guys kept because they relax and they start, you know, um, you know, but you did all like they usually do. You did all wear pants. We did all wear pants. Okay, yes. okay. Everybody had pants on. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, everybody behaved themselves. We didn't have any uh, incidents of, you know, you got to watch your language kind of thing, which I was pretty happy with, you know, it's, it's a struggle for me. And I know it's a struggle for a lot of the guys, you know, so, so they ended up inviting us back. They said, you know, you guys can come back anytime you want, you know, we could have a game day, day there, you know, as soon as we want, basically. So yeah. we'll probably make it an annual event, something like that, come back once a year or something. How many people can you fit uh, gaming in the uh, officers? Oh, gosh, that wardroom is huge. Oh, is um, it? Okay. I would bet we could probably put 30 or 40 guys in there. I mean, those okay. tables are immense. I mean, they go all the way down. So, yeah, I, I would bet 40, you know. Yeah, they're bigger than you think. Well, I was at the one, I can't think of the name, but it was at Virginia um, Beach, uh, the ship out there. Mm -hmm. But Laura and I walked through it and it just boggling the mind of the space, you know, even the little donut making space they had where guys could go get a donut on the ship at any time, you know, a quarter after quarters after quarters, you know, and we're like, wow. Yeah. But then the bunks, of course, you know, you got to sleep <laughs> all stacked yeah, up. Well, there's that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very cool ship. It's uh, They've got a lot of it open. Um, I don't, th I think they... They don't really have the the big gun. I can't remember. They call them gun rooms. Is that what it is? The big, you know, the big gun rooms. Yeah. Uh, but they have a lot of other parts of the ship open, and and it's really cool. Um, they, you know, they also have the um, USS Midway, the aircraft carrier down in San Diego. Uh, but unfortunately, they're much more business oriented. Um, <clears throat> they. It, it would be very expensive for us to, you know, they're, they're not interested in hoping, you know, hosting things that they're not going to collect money on. So uh, okay. unfortunately that's probably yeah. off the table for us. Cool traction though. Really, really cool. Very much worth the effort to go down and check it out, but we won't be playing ASL there anytime soon. I'm sure. So, so what have you been playing? What have you, what, what's everybody get uh, ASL, excited about? ASL-wise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah ASL well, well, we will talk more too, but, um, big campaign games or are or, or you personally or yeah i'm a i'm a lover of campaign games we did uh can i i hosted a group at my office on uh, thursday nights for 20 something years um where we just did campaign games and sometimes we play tested campaign games for other guys but we've done red barricades i mean you name it we did it um uh, Valor of the Guards. We did three play tests of Valor of the Guards. I think we did three play tests of uh, Tarawa, and then also a couple of uh, campaigns afterwards. I love campaign games. It's always always a favorite for me. Um, I actually get together with Scott Thompson, one of our uh, actually he's a club officer, uh, on uh, one night a week, and and right now we're doing 
uh, we both like the red star, white star stuff. So like North Koreans versus Marines is kind of a, a popular one for me personally mm -hmm. and, and Scott also. So we've been doing uh, the stuff out of the Soul module, uh, the um, LFT uh, fight for soul. Yeah, yeah. LFTs fight for soul. And we've had a blast with that. We're going to do the camp. We're kind of warming up so we can do the campaign game next. That, that's going to be our next stop. So Yeah, it's a lot of stuff um, in there. Oh, yeah. And it's all good. It's really been a lot of fun. Really interesting. Uh, we're both we're enjoying the heck out of it. So it's been really uh, it's it's been really a good experience. Most of the guys on Saturday, we have a limited time. You know, uh, usually the stores open at 12 and we have to be out of there usually around eight. So you've got to play a scenario that can be played effectively in six hours, seven hours at the most. So the, the 10, we tend not to play much bigger than average size scenarios. And, and that usually, you know, some guys bring scenarios that they, you know, they've picked out over the course of the week and they just want to play. And most of the time they bring whatever's the hot stuff, whatever the new stuff is. Journal 14's out. We had Journal 13. Both of those get a lot of play. Mm -hmm. Um, mostly MMP stuff, but not not always some LFT stuff and Bounding Fire stuff. So we did we try to get everything, but generally mid-size or smaller scenarios usually because of the format. It's hard to believe uh, 15 years ago how scarce things were. It's you know relatively compared to now, scarce new modules and scenarios were. I mean, it was years oh. and years between. And now there's so much stuff. How do you choose? Yeah, you can't even, I mean, it, you have to pick and choose yeah. what you want to buy. I mean, it, it, you know, it wasn't too long ago they could say, well, I just buy everything, whatever comes out, all the third party and everything. Now, there's not too many guys say that anymore, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, most guys are, you know, it's like, well, I buy all the official stuff and, which is kind of where I am, I'll buy the official stuff. And then I have, you know, I like... Uh, um, a couple of different third parties, you know, that I, I generally buy their stuff. And otherwise I kind of pick and choose if it's a subject that I'm interested in, I'll, I'll buy it. I think that's probably where most of the guys are going these days. So, but yeah, it's the golden age of ASL. You know, we have all these ASL guys that are all hitting retirement age. And now all of a sudden they can create their opus that they've been planning for the last 30 years. Right. right. You know, <laughs> they've been working on, working on in their basement for 30 years and now they can bring it to MNP or, or bounding fire or LFT and get it published. So that's, that's awesome. You know yeah. I mean? It's awesome. Yeah. And, and more time to game, which I yeah. found being retired was also the kids left the house. So that, <laughs> at the same time, this is our first summer with no kids at home. And then my wife is off a couple of days a week so we can do a lot of time together and so the evening she's kind of like you know the old rule of how about one game a weeknight is just gone and and our marriage is still really strong even you know more time together than we used to have there's no kids games to go to sure. it's kind of like yeah i got time to do surprising a lot of this stuff you know that absolutely yeah Absolutely. And I think a lot of guys are kind of hitting that age, you know, I mean, let's face it, we're all, we're all approaching it rap. Most of us are approaching it pretty rapidly if we're not already there. So which is, and <laughs> Jeff's frozen in time. That's right. <laughs> well, I still got a couple of years left. I'm, I'm not done yet. So <laughs> well, are you seeing much in the way of new players? <clears throat> well, Robert Barrett is the one that had contacted us yeah. to about yeah. playing on the ship. Yes. 
so guys like him yeah um we do pick up a few guys a year generally um we also pick up guys that are uh old battle scarred veterans that went and had kids and jobs and then finally find themselves with more time 30 years later you know i mean we literally uh had a fellow that showed up at a game day that um was at west coast zero we actually had west coast zero we had a we had um we had a um our very first uh, uh, big event didn't have a name when we started it. And we call, we now refer to it as West Coast Zero, but ah. West Coast One. Uh, he was at West Coast Zero and West Coast One, I think something like that, and then disappeared. And he appeared a couple months ago at a game day. <laughs> and he's just fantastic. And he's like, yeah, you know, well, where you been? Well, I've lived here and there and I have kids and jobs and you know here i am you know and in 30 years later or 25 literally 25 years later he's back in action plays almost every week with us so which is kind of phenomenal so we get guys to returning you know that have kind of hit that circumstance where they have time because their kids are grown or their jobs are at a position where they you know don't they're not as demanding uh and we do get some new players like robert you know um a few a year you know, I, I would say a few of your guys that, that show up that either always wanted to do it and now have the time or um, we don't get a lot of young kids. We do get some younger guys occasionally, um, but mostly it's guys in their 50s, you know, probably that are yeah. that are now in a position where I always wanted to do this and now I've got the time to do it and they start. So, yeah, yeah. we do pick up, you know, and, and unfortunately, we're also at the age where guys are dying off too so we've mm-hmm. lost the members that way too so unfortunately so but you know we we're on the upgrowth you know every year we add new members so we always have so we've always added more guys than we've lost so that's uh you know that's, that's a good great. thing you know that's great yeah absolutely how do you explain your your for yourself your interested your interest in world war ii well, that's a good question, you know, because when I first started ASL, I, I started with squad leader. I was a, ga- I was a war gamer anyways. Um, but my interest was primarily the Civil War. And to a large extent, it kind of still is. Um, but I really liked squad leader. It just kind of fit my mentality of what I thought a war game should be. And I started playing it. And then, of course, ASL came out and that was just better in every way. Um, and then I started playing with other guys, as I mentioned, the San Diego guys, we, we built up a club pretty quick and, and then it becomes more of a camaraderie thing. It's not so much the interest as you're playing with your friends, Mm. you know, and that's always been a big part of my gaming experience. That's why I don't do online games. You know, I like, I like to see my friends, you know, we, we get together for lunch. We, you know, we chit chat and you know, shoot the bull and, and they become really great friends over the years. So for me, it's a very personal thing. Right. Um, but the, the cool thing about ASL and it's always kept my interest and always kept my primary attention. I always say ASL is a jealous mistress, right? Guys that play ASL tend to play very little else other than ASL. Right. You know, it's kind of a commitment. Um, but I love it because it's so varied, you know, you can do, if you're in the mood to play, at red barricades you can play it you know play red barricades if this week you feel like being in the jungle you know you can break out a jungle scenario or cave scenario or a beach landing scenario or a finish scenario or i mean there's just it's almost 
unlimited in terms of there's always something to do. You know, there's always a new thing. And I think that's the thing I love most about it is that it's so varied and that this very, this basic system is so great at, accom you know, at accommodating all of these different aspects of World War II. Yeah, I, I did grab like front toward enemy for Vietnam, which, you know, you could mm -hmm. end up with a similar thing, right? With the the rivers, the Mekong and everything. And, sure. But, yeah. you know, just that game in itself, if it's an introductory game or it's not going to go anywhere, the scenario choices are pretty limited, <laughs> you know. Right, sure. Yeah, and, and that's what ends up happening with a lot of games. They become a bit repetitive. ASL is never really repetitive because, you know, you can always go and just do something completely different. You know, you can go to Danant, you can play, you know, crossing the river at Danant. And I mean, there's always something new and cool. There's always a new, a new thing to do, you know, play the desert, you know, they're just so different experiences and you don't really get that with other games. I mean, there's a lot of other war games that I, I really enjoy, you know, third rise to play to death, third right to death, you know, with my old game club. But after a while, it kind of starts to sound the same, you know, as you're, you know, when you played it four five, six, eight, ten 10 times, you know, it starts to, you know, starts to become repetitive. ASL is never like that, at least to me. I've never found it that way. It's always been something new and different. So, yeah, if you're willing to jump into that new rule section. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to make a commitment, but you do when you pick up a new war game anyway. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Right. That's a, a very good interview, I thought. Yeah, very fascinating conversation. Too bad we couldn't finish it in this show. Yeah. But a uh, very interesting guy, nice guy, much nicer than I expected for, uh, you know, a valley boy. Ooh. And there's a... We've got to get to SoCal and uh, meet up with those guys. It would be fantastic, wouldn't it? But... Um, so, yeah, we'll finish up like the last 20 minutes, half an hour on the next show. Yeah. And in the meantime, everybody, be sure to roll low. And rally well. But, but not, not when you're playing us. All righty. Bye-bye, everybody. Ta-ta.